far, I just do two, one pup, pup for birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you finna do, think I'll try to get on, into, start right, good line, good view, it drew, shoot him, make Gavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Sometimes these part three look like an island. I punch and keep it on dry land. At least I'm a try man. I up with the five and might use the trap man. I got a check man. I think a ball speed rate of that bass man. And where that ball land, watch that's on my hand. Okay, welcome to On the Screws podcast. This week, I am joined by Rebecca Lee Bentham, fresh off the 76th U.S. Women's Open. How are you doing, Rebecca? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. And I know. Right now, when anybody's listening to this, you'll have finished this event, but you're doing the Island Resort Championship right now, or just kind of finishing up your prep for it. Um, so what do you have planned? What, what's uh, what's going on with you this week? So I played uh, Park Run yesterday. Um, a little bit tired from just the jet lag and the traveling, but um, took today just to kind of, uh, I guess, just hit balls, work on the short game, kind of... Um, just standard stuff. Didn't go on the course today. Just wanted to take a little bit of rest time. And then tomorrow's one more day of practice, and the first round's on Friday. Fresh off a, uh, an appearance at the 76 U.S. Women's Open. Um, what was that? That was at the Olympic Club. What was that event like? You're probably feeling a lot of uh, – you're probably coming down off of that high, I guess. But um, like you said, a lot of jet lag and travel. So what was that, that past week like for you? It was a lot of fun. So – um, U.S. Women's Open, uh, I guess my third one. So I've had experience uh, being in that environment, and the USGA always likes to make it very grand, um, treats the players like first class, like no other. So um, I feel like they did exceed those expectations this past week. Just with all the COVID stuff, they were able to manage it really well. And I, I feel like every player felt um, treated like first class whole week. So we're all very happy to be there. Nice, nice. And we just saw, unfortunately, with John Rahm um, having to withdraw from uh, from this past weekend at the Memorial. So it was kind of, um, it was nice to not hear of anything like that happen. I have kind of talked with dozens of people already in the golf world about how to avoid that type of thing, but that is, uh, it's tricky. So I'm glad that everyone was well and the event went well. Um, that was your third time you mentioned. So did it seem any different than your first two times there? So you had played in 2010 and 2014. Um, did it seem any different than any of the other events? I feel like every time you go to U.S. Open, it's a different vibe. Um, once you step on property, property, I just feel like that feeling of, oh, wow, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I know it was my third, but every single time you go, it's a different feeling. Um, and it's just like a new opportunity. I feel like it's just everything's more grand when you get on. Um the way you get treated, um, the course that we get to play, everything just spectacular. It's hard to describe. Yeah, I got to like I got to watch a lot of it. It was on uh, like Sports Center up here too. So we're both kind of from the Toronto area. So it was um, advertised. I was able to watch the whole tournament, which was great. Um, you unfortunately didn't make the cut, but you played well. Like it, I was watching quite a bit, and I did get to see your shot on seventeen there, which was pretty nice. Um, so anybody who might be watching on YouTube, I'll try and grab that clip from you and uh, and stick that up here because uh, that would have been well as a tap in birdie, but uh, that would have been a nice eagle from you. Probably had I don't know a hundred yards in or so. Yeah. Yeah. Just around a hundred and nice. nice one in, but I couldn't actually see the shot because um, it was elevated. So. I had no idea how close it was, but there was a little 
um, gallery up there that kind of made it sound like it was pretty close. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to see the highlight because then I can actually see how the ball checked out and spun. So that was actually. Yeah. Yeah. It got like a nice little uh, spin off to the right there, which was, which was pretty amazing. So how did, um, how did your week go? Do you think you played well? Were you, was it kind of everything that you wanted, anything that you wanted to improve on or anything that, um, you thought that you did better than maybe expected? Um, I felt pretty good, uh, last week. Um, I felt like I hit it really good on Thursday, the first round I had, my caddy said, um, eight shots within 12 feet for birdie. And, I think I only made two birdies. So there was a lot of opportunities out there. I hit it really well. I hit a lot of fairways, did a lot of um, shots close to the pin, which I was really happy about. I just had kind of like one bad hole, um, which is easy to do out there. Just quick yeah. go by double. And, um, but yeah, in the second round, I feel like I didn't hit it as great, but kind of scraped, scraped it together. Um, obviously, I wish I played better, but the course was playing tough and felt like, I held my own against the players that I was playing with. So overall, good fun week for me. Yeah, I had a look at um, I had a look at a couple of ladies that were on the leaderboard with you, kind of right in around you. The course was definitely playing very tough, and uh, one of them was Charlie Hull. Um, she was plus eleven as well. Uh, Caroline Masson. So those are two top fifty or sixty players in the world, and then the world number four, Nelly Corda, was right there with you. So. Um, Hats off to you, cause that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Look at my page, I be posting them drivers. You name a shot, and you know that I got it. I throw a tracer on it, so they watch it. A judge just to keep a hit, and I can rock it. I am the realest. Show me the pin, and I hit it. Yeah, whole line in it, be in in a minute. My pin myself close as a couple of inches. I swing in on plank up in perfect position. Birdie's the mission. That's green, I miss really yeah, make a difference. I birdie. Is there any like? Are you starstruck by anybody? Yeah, so when when I go out there and I'm on the range, like it's flush. These girls hit it good, and I think it's underrated how good some of them play um, or hit the ball. But for me, when someone asks me like, who would you want to emulate? Someone that I, that stands up to me is Indy Park, and she's like the most underrated, and she probably has more major wins than any current player right now. I feel like like she's hot, and the way she's so consistent. Um, week in week out especially in majors you always see her name up there and it, to me that's incredible um obviously a lot of people don't actually talk about her or she's not as big she doesn't even have instagram doesn't have any social media um so i feel like her name has no buzz out there um but if you look at stats alone she's, I, I would say she's one of the best putters and best under pressure performer out there yeah i know she's got a win this year too i don't i don't know if she's got a second one this calendar season or not, but I know she's got to win. Um, for me, uh, whenever I'm watching the LPGA, I am always amazed by Carlota Segonda. So she's somebody else who isn't like, you know, she's not that well publicized. She's from Spain. Um, and I believe she's from Spain and her swing is amazing. Like if I could, of all the golf swings, like obviously everybody's going to pick tiger or whatever it is, but her swing is one of the ones that just it amazes me. Um, it seems to be so clean and it's one that I've talked about on the podcast before. So, um, that, that is one that definitely catches my eye as I'm sure it does anybody else, but there's, there's so many good swings out there that I, I kind of envy on LPJ tour. It's ridiculous. like, yeah, she hits it so long, but there are so many girls that hit it just as long as her. Like, I don't know. I, I can watch girls on the LPJ tour hit balls all day long. If we can take it back, um, Rebecca, if you don't mind, maybe to some of the earlier days in your playing career. So I'd kind of check some of them out, but maybe you could let us know. You got into golf a little bit late. And um, what 
what kind of struck you to get into the game? Like, what was it that said, you know, that made you say, I want to play the game and you had a lot of success right away. So can you maybe uh, just give us like a little recap of when you got into the game? Yeah, I guess I started at 12. I don't know if that's really late, but um, I guess it's all relative. Um, my dad got me into it. He played kind of just uh, casually with his friends and saw the opportunity. He, I guess he loved watching golf. And so um, saw the opportunity for a scholarship for girls that play. So that's kind of how it started. And then the dream was always like LPGA Tour. How, like, so once I kind of followed my dad at the course and started watching golf on TV because it was always on in the house. That kind of just became my dream too, watching it. Um, seeing those girls, I guess, play on the tour on TV was like, oh, that would be so cool. That lifestyle, uh, winning, um, being out there, I think that would be so cool. So that's kind of what started, um, that got me started. Do you remember who the first golfer was that you uh, kind of looked at and idolized? I would say uh, Sari Pack, um, Lorena Ochoa. Those were the girls that were at the top. Morgan Pressel, Paula Creamer, um, and then Michelle Wee was kind of coming up as a young star. So those were the people that, in my mind, were like the superstars of the tour. Yeah, I remember. Um, like I'm a little bit older, but I loved Annika Sorenstam when I was younger. Like she was so amazing uh, to watch, and I actually played the same irons as her for when I first started playing golf. So. When I when I had started playing, I was about eleven or twelve, and and that's what everybody says to me is, oh, that was so late to start playing golf. Now I'm not playing golf at the level that you are, but uh, I I guess people um, you know have kind of put that in my head that that's late to take up the game. So many people are starting to take it up in their you know in the early early years now. But um, if I can just kind of go through a couple of things, so in 2007, you were the Ontario Women's Amateur Champion, correct? In 2000, what? I think it was 2007. And then uh, 2010, you were the uh, Canadian Junior Girls. Uh, you won the Canadian Junior Girls title. And then the Women's Amateur, Canadian Women's Amateur in 2011. So you had qualified just before that for the 2010 U.S. Women's Open and then got an exemption into the 2010 Canadian Women's Open. So what was that? Like that event strikes me as it would be something. The U.S. Women's Open, it would be great. But, you know, as a Canadian, that would be up there on your list as well, right? Like that would be kind of something that would be a highlight and I'm sure in your career. So what was it like to play that event? Yeah. So those years, that's when I was like 18, 19. Right. Um, and your mindset when you're that young is different. You don't realize how hard it is to get that opportunity. And so when you're out there, I don't know, just, just go out there, try to do your best and, um, you're still kind of in awe playing against your super, like the people that you looked up to, superheroes, I guess, when you're younger. Um, different mindset. You just you just go, um, not as much worry, more just in awe. Um, whereas now when you get older, you realize how hard it is to be in that position. Um, different mindset, more grateful, I guess. Um, so you go to college and it was uh, the University of Texas at Austin yeah. and you won a big 12 uh, championship team title there. So what was that experience like going to university? Like I know you had kind of, uh, you'd cut it short to turn pro, but what was that event or what was that like when you, uh, when you decided to go to university to play golf? 
No, I feel like it was such a good experience for me, even though it was cut short. I loved every moment of being with the team, traveling with them. Our facilities were amazing to have that opportunity to practice at one of the best courses in Texas. Um, I don't know, the the team atmosphere was something different because growing up, I was very uh, alone, I would say, like it was very individual. Um, Me and my dad pretty much traveled together. But then once you make friends, it it brought a little bit more fun into it. Um, And yeah, winning Big 12s was great got championship ring and all that so definitely a cool experience yeah that's very cool and then so you decide to turn pro and in your first attempt uh, your first attempt you get your lpga card so what was um like going to q school what was that like was it much different than anything that you'd gone through before uh yes and no it is a lot more like i guess grinding because you know it only happens once a year so it's not just like a regular tournament because then dictate your whole next year um but it is the, the the format is just like another tournament you're playing four days in a row um and then the top move on kind of like a cut and um i definitely practiced really hard that summer for it like yeah. all day every day all in um and that was part of the reason why i stopped uh, going to college because I wanted to really put all in into that um, opportunity and see how far I can go. So how was that first year? How was that on tour? Like, what was it like? Um, it would have been, you know, you played a lot of events leading up to that point, all on like the amateur level and whatnot. So what was it like kind of stepping onto that LPGA stage, like almost fresh out of college, like really fresh out of college without uh, without much experience? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it was like cloud nine, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening, this is real, this is what I dreamed of growing up, um, playing alongside these girls that I watched, and uh, obviously, there becomes a lot of pressure to perform, because you're obviously competing against the best in the world, and right. if you make a little mistake here and there, you miss a cut, um, you don't make anything, it's hard, um, mentally, as the year goes on, Um so I feel like that's kind of what happened throughout the years. It's just the mental grind of it. Yeah. And obviously the travel part's hard because you're now in charge of doing that on your own. Whereas when you're on a team, like at Texas, they do all that for you. Um, all the scheduling, the travel arrangements. But then once you get on tour, it's like you're, you're on your own. You got to do everything, figure it all out. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what that would be like trying to, you know, if you're playing almost every week, as I'm sure you were trying to, you know, book flights and get cars and trying to get all across the country, really. But um, so moving forward to 2016, you play the the Canadian, um, the CP Women's Open, and then you retire after that point. So you had kind of decided to step back from pro golf and and um, get into some teaching. What was that like when you kind of made that change in your uh, career? Yeah, so I, I stopped ultimately just because I didn't find joy in the game anymore. Um, to me, just I felt like I was just going through the same thing every day. I was just going through motions rather than living it out. And I knew the opportunity I had was great to be on the LPG tour that not a lot of people get the opportunity, but the, the feeling of just going through the motions was not good for me. And um, I wanted to experience something else out in life. And um, so happened that I went to coaching because someone reached out to me um, with the opportunity and said, Hey, have you ever thought of coaching? And, that was kind of something that I thought would be a backup, um, but I didn't know if I'd like it or not. So once I started 
teaching, I was like, oh my goodness, it's so much harder than I thought it would be. I thought that I had all this knowledge and experience, but to teach someone else that doesn't have your swing, it's hard because you don't know where to start unless you have that coaching experience. And I, I don't know, I remember the first lesson I told this kid like maybe 15 things to work on. And I was like, that's probably not the best <laughs> thing to, to do after a lesson to go home and think about 15 things to work on. And I was like, my bad. Um, but then that forced me to um, get better at coaching. So it made me kind of make things more simpler. Absolutely. Uh, and that is, I think, what helped my game to... So I feel like when you try to teach someone, you have to kind of dumb it down. And that's what I needed for my game. So I was starting to overthink things too much. Yeah. And that forced me to go back to fundamentals. And um, once you have the fundamentals, I feel like you can coach yourself. That You had played on the McKenzie Tour and you had just missed, narrowly missed out on an event by uh, one stroke. And... You had played from, you know, the uh, back tees and the pro tees, and um, it was a, a men's event. So what was that experience like? Um, were you the only uh, female in the field that week? Yeah. So can you explain kind of what that event was like? Yeah, that was really cool, actually. It's probably one of the highlight events in my entire career, having that opportunity to tee it, against, uh, tee it up with the men. And to follow just one shot short was obviously heartbreaking, but at the same time, like, I played well. I, I had a round under par. and um, Yeah, I think it said he had shot a 69 that week. I think he had covered a 69, right? Yeah. Yeah. And going Impressive. in, the course wasn't playing uh, that easy for me just because it was wet. And when it's wet, my ball obviously doesn't go as far and it's long as it is. So I was a little worried, to be honest. And I told myself, like, if I can shoot better than 74 i'd be really happy we get up now we're into you know 2021 and and uh you you decide to return to pro golf and you're spending the year on the symmetra tour so what's the year been like for you so far and um like i know you had spent the when i first if we kind of reel back to the lessons that's when you and i actually first connected i'm not sure if it was on my golf page or if it was on my my personal page but i had reached out because i golf a lot with my wife and my sister so um the lesson is what i first reached out to you for before you went over to dubai um to try and get a lesson set up for my sister so and you decided to get back into pro golf so what made you think of that transition um so that transition actually started in 2019 when I decided I want to go back. Okay. Because um, I went to Q school in 2019 to get status. And um, I fell one shot short of um, final stage of Q series, which still gave me full status on the semester tour for 2020. And so I played the first event last year. Um, I think I finished like 13. But then right after that event is when COVID hit. Right. And we had the option, so they cut the season to, I think, half. So we had about 10 events last year, but it wasn't mandatory to um, keep your card to play. So I decided to stay in Canada, avoid the whole in and out traveling. Um, just because the purses were decreased, the travel was really tough. So decided to just stay home, do a little bit of coaching, um, play some golf. Weather was good in Toronto, so yeah, did that. And then obviously winter hit and Toronto was in lockdown. So there was no place to practice indoors, weather was bad. So decided I need to leave in order to play this season. And so that's how Dubai came about and it worked out really great. So I was there for two months, um, just 
playing golf every day to, I guess, gear up for this. Yeah. Check on my car for the scope. Nope. See that I'm fresh through the low. Nope. Go ahead and count out the birdies so far. It's three in a row. 224 to the hole. No hybrid behind. I pull as a foe. They say that you drive for the show. They say that you puff for the dough. Look back on if it was a young Rebecca that you would say give yourself any any advice or maybe highlight any of the sponsors that have made even this past weekend uh, a success for you. Yeah, so I definitely have people to thank. Um, Dave's Hot Chicken is one of my big sponsors this year. Have them on my bag and um, very supportive. Bill Phelps is the CEO and he's someone who kind of always kind of sends me texts here and there that he believes in me and wants the best for me and definitely shows that by his support. And then last week um, I had someone I call like my uncle. It's not blood related, but I call him my uncle. His name's um, James Rue, and he has been very supportive throughout my career also. I met him at a program that he runs every year in California. A lot of the LPJ girls play in that event. And um, yeah, he'll do fundraisers for me and stuff like that to help fund my tournaments. and. Um, yeah, just very, uh, lots of support just back at home. Um, a lot of people that I thank just for the encouragement for believing in me, because that means a lot as a player, because it is lonely out here. So when you have people kind of support you, it does make a difference. Yeah. I noticed that you had TXG on the arm too, uh, um, in one of your uh, videos and, uh, like I've had Mike on the podcast in the, in the past and, um, and I've kind of chatted with Ian quickly and whatnot. And I know Mike, you and I mentioned Mike starting up his, uh, the build shop podcast, which is, uh, haven't had a chance to tune in, but you were on episode one, which was pretty amazing. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, go over and check out that one. Cause Mark, Mike, Marty Savage got it right this time is, uh, is pretty incredible. Um, Big brain in golf, so you got to go out and check out that podcast. But I did see the Dave's Hot Chicken logo on your bag. You were uh, you were a trotty on the in the tour truck. So um, could we run through quickly what your bag was like for the U.S. Open? Yeah, uh, they fit me really nicely into all the new Sim Two stuff that I really felt comfortable in. That's why I was able to kind of make that switch real fast. Um, and yeah, I was really happy with the way I hit my driver, my hybrids, and then the P seven seventies. TXG kind of fit me into those, so those were good. You didn't need to touch that. Um, I had the MG, um, my MG2 wedges in the bag uh, from 58 to 48, and yeah, that's pretty much. So do you play? Do you play 48, 52, 58? 48, 54, 58. Okay, okay, because I play 50, 54, 58, and. Uh, I've really liked that. Like I've liked that. I play the Strix on uh, the Strix on irons, and I've kind of liked how they've aligned, and it's it's been great for me. Um, and then, are you using the spider putter? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been going back and forth with a few putters right now. And I know I remember when you did the TXG fitting. I think it was you were doing a live. I think with Mikey, and you had posted that you had those personalized shafts, which was really cool. Those were uh, those were pretty neat to see. Yeah. Maybe you can just let anybody know, Rebecca, who is uh, looking forward to kind of following your career, where they can reach you or get a hold of you or even just uh, check out your social medias. Yeah. So for, I would say the main one I use is Instagram and handles at Arlie Bentham. And then same handle, Arlie Bentham for Twitter. And don't really go on LinkedIn. Don't really go on Facebook that much, but they're all kind of connected. 
Okay, great. For anybody who's listening that uh, wants to check it out, if you just scroll down, I will put a link and you can just click it. It'll take you right to your profile and definitely follow follow along the rest of uh, the tour. I guess you're finishing out the year on the Symmetra tour. Um, like you were saying, you're about to play the Island Resort this weekend. Um, so we'll have some results up by the time uh, this podcast is live. And do you have anything planned for the rest of the season? Nope, just uh, grinding away on the Symmetra Tour. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, good luck, Rebecca, and thank you so much for uh, popping on the podcast. Hopefully we see you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Mike. He's out in my ball and of course I tee up. I lose the ball and I rear up. I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean or maybe the beach. And I'm on a part five and I'm finna go reach it. Second was blind, I see it. Feel like it might be an albatross.